Hello there, it's Baldwin Burgess with the BD Insider Podcast. BD Insider, we explore the secrets of capital raising and attracting more business. Today's episode is titled, Are You a Hunter or a Farmer? And in this podcast, I'm going to tell you why business development people who think like hunters won't be as successful as those who cultivate the mindset of farmers. It may take a few minutes, but I hope you can take some time to listen to it because it might change the way you see business development forever. Now, our earliest ancestors survived by hunting and gathering. This was an extremely energy and time-consuming way of life. We lived like this for 90% of the time since we first appeared as a species, and progress in civilization only came when we became sedentary and learned how to leverage our efforts with farming. Instead of continuously running around for food, we learned how to grow it ourselves, and we understood that herding animals was far easier than hunting them down all the time. The thing is that much of the B2B services sector still lives in that hunter-gatherer era, especially the one that I've been working for in the last 20 years, and that's the investment industry. See, much of what we do in the finance industry all day long is meet with investors and try to convince them that we are the right people for them to trust with their money. This involves a whole lot of running around and attending lots of time-consuming meetings, but because you're on the move so much, you're not always sure that you're meeting with the right people because isn't that much time to do proper research. And maybe it's your marketing department job to research, but you know how well marketing and sales usually get along, right? And again, most marketing people don't really know what a client looks like. Uh, and a lot of salespeople don't really understand the woo-woo themes that marketing loves so much. It's a continuous uh, conversation that gets lost in translation. And I've been on countless roadshows, and most of the time you're just getting meetings for the sake of justifying the effort and expense of a trip. You know, all the running around can also keep you from properly following up on prospects. And you know what happens when you don't properly follow up, right? Well, not very much. So when you finally do get that message through to that one person you meet, you just hope that this person will carry it on to colleagues and other people involved in the decision-making process. The reality is that much this is the reality is that this is really much to expect from someone who just heard your story for the first time. To actually go and find the courage to stick his neck out or her neck out and evangelize colleagues and customers about it. It means that you have to keep going back, hopefully to meet with the right people. That is if they bother to show up. Because I've, I've had so many meetings where they just send someone else. You know, people are busy. Uh, it's not your agenda, it's theirs. So what you do is you wind up telling yourself that this is just a numbers game. And the more people you meet, the more likelihood they will be for doing more business. You justify this thinking based on what worked in the past. You may even see a sensible correlation between the number of meetings with clients and the amount of business you got from that because it's the only thing you ever knew or tried. There's nothing you can measure it against. It becomes a single standard and an absolute truth. You may abide by the fact that only a small fraction of your prospects will eventually come through. Because with a traditional approach, all interactions take the same amount of effort. That is meetings most of the time. And it also means that you are wasting most of your valuable time on lost opportunities. 
To me, I don't know about you, but to me, that seems kind of crazy. Now, I'm not claiming that the traditional approach of clocking as many meetings as you can with prospects is totally flawed, but it only makes more sense when your marketplace is limited to a specific region or a niche industry. But in contrast, it does become awfully challenging when you're faced with a global marketplace that has more participants and increased segmentation all the time. It would simply mean even more running around and what you need is a system that guides you towards the real opportunities. But we're going to get into that a little bit later on. The reason why, we are st why there are still so many businesses that embrace the roadshow approach probably has much to do with the fact that their client-facing staff is being evaluated on the number of meetings they book. A lot of KPIs for business developers and salespeople are still based on this dated concept. Now, I've been there myself. I used to believe in it. But truth be told, there is a motivation to just seek out meetings for the sake of summing them up in a spreadsheet. And this used to make sense when we didn't have all the access to information that we enjoy today because the only way to get our story out was to get out and deliver it in person. But things have changed now that we can search the internet, read blogs, watch videos and listen to podcasts. Information exists in abundance. In my last real job, during my traveling salesman days at a fund manager, my business focused on a rather exotic niche. We invested in developing markets. And because most people didn't even know the capital cities of these countries, let alone even considered them as investment destinations, most of my business development process was really about providing education. In fact, I spent so much time teaching people about these unknown investment destinations that I often felt that I'd make more money if I charged for the tuition by the hour. And back in 2010, which is not so long ago, I was traveling around the world nonstop, spending way too much time and resources meeting people who, rather than willing to write a check, were really more interested in getting a few free lessons about these new markets. Now, I guess many of them were either intellectually curious or so bored with their jobs that a few stories about strange places made for a welcome distraction. And even though many of these meetings were pleasant exchanges, the problem was that they didn't lead to enough business to justify the effort. It was also a continuous process of stop and go. You'd have to get a first meeting and then hope to get the opportunity to follow up soon. But then things get in the way. People get distracted. And when you finally met again, it was often like starting all over. And I found myself in a situation where I needed to come up with a scalable and efficient solution that would allow me to keep in touch with all these prospects to educate and keep them updated about all these fairly unknown markets. And it occurred to me that it would make much more sense to store our insights online. I'm a bit of a geek, so I guess that kind of thing comes naturally. I've always been fascinated by the internet ever since it first appeared. But I was thinking it would be much more easy to share our information with everyone. This is when I decided to set up a blog along with an opt-in mailing list on our website. That made me one of the first few investment managers to have a blog. And believe it or not, but even in 2011, having a blog on your website was a very exotic idea for most investment managers. It still is because even today, even today, most financial businesses still haven't understood how to tell their stories online. Most just have a mailing list, but it's only used to stuff fact sheets and boring research papers into countless junk mail folders. 
But for some reason, the content we published back then started getting a fair amount of attention, and it drove more traffic to our website. And even the media re regularly featured our insights in their content. This in turn brought even more people to our website, which then in turn got us more subscribers to our email list. The thing is, getting more people on your email list is probably the most important thing you can do in business development. In fact, the most important purpose of any website is to get people to opt into your list so you can start having an open and ongoing communication channel with them. However, once people give you their explicit permission to send them regular emails, because that is what opting into email lists is, people telling you, yes, please send me information, you still need to earn their ongoing attention. And this is why it's so incredibly valuable to learn how to tell your story in a way that keeps people tuned in. Email is not very effective for selling, but it's far more useful as a massively scalable relationship building mechanism. Provide ongoing value and your audience will grow to like and trust you. And you know what people who like and trust you do, right? Well, they buy from you. Now, take a moment to imagine what is possible when you grow your list to thousands of trusting subscribers. The hard reality is that you live and die by the way you tell your stories. And that is why I'm always trying to learn as much as I can about how to tell more compelling stories. It occurred to me that the absolute masses of attention are the people in the entertainment industry. They know how to write scripts for TV shows or great documentaries that keep people spellbound. And I was determined to learn their secrets. I set out to search the formula for great storytelling. So I spend enormous amounts of time devouring anything that I can get my eyes on about script writing and I'm continuously experimenting with all the insights I gather on the content I produce. It turns out that there, are inf that there are exact formulas that can be put to work to shape any topic whatsoever into a compelling narrative. So you can keep running around until your legs fall off chasing investors and trying to get in front of them with irregular intervals, or you can serve them with compelling content that is educational, entertaining, and helps them do a better job at investing. And if you believe that sending out a 50-page white paper or a dense pitch book full of graphs is providing value, you might as well just send them your car's user's manual because chances are quite slim that they will actually take the time to even leaf through it. Sure, these creations will make you look smart, but is that worth it if you're not getting your message through? I once met with a fund manager who was planning on producing a beautiful brochure that contained a dozen compelling investment themes related to the sustainability of our world. The brochure looked amazing, but it would take more than a day to consume it. These were long-term themes that concern us all, and they would make for very compelling content. They, would, they, they were the perfect script for thematic episodes to keep their audience paying attention to them for months. But they just went ahead and published the 100-plus page brochure, and in my opinion, they squandered a huge opportunity. Do the producers of Breaking Bad, House of Cards, or Cosmos release a 10-hour-long feature film? Of course not. Instead, they structure it to get their audience hooked with anticipation. That is what I'm talking about here. It's not because every now and then a prospect asks you for your pitch deck that everyone else is also jumping up and down to read it. In fact, asking for pitch decks is usually nothing more than another routine in building a formal due diligence audit trail. 
And as we previously mentioned, structuring your story as an online series is to business development what farming was to hunter-gatherers. Think about that last sentence. The thing is that progress really accelerated when our ancestors became more sedentary, focused and more efficient, and therefore had more time for other things and mere survival. This is when we started developing new tools to further leverage our farming. We started to understand the concept of yield and scale, and our increased productivity created wealth, which initiated trade, which brought more knowledge, and so on. You can keep going out into the wild for the occasional kill, or you can breed livestock and grow crops to harvest. The choice is totally yours. There's another fascinating thing about running a well-managed email list. It allows you to monitor exactly who's paying attention to your content. And because any decent email platform readily provides statistics on individual subscriber engagement, it doesn't even require special technical abilities. It's a bit like the shopkeeper who gets to evaluate who is just browsing and who is down to buying. You've probably noticed that selling stuff on the street isn't in very high regard when compared to offering your goods in a fancy boutique. Now apply that metaphor to the context of hunting prospects or farming opportunities. All right, that's it. I hope um, that made sense to you. If it did, I'd like to invite you for a free online crash course that I put together on how to create the kind of content and apply simple technology to tell the kind of stories that can help you attract more business and investors. If you go to the webpage, bdinsider.com, and the way you have to type that in is bd-insider.com, on the front page you'll see a banner that gives you access to the Capital Attraction course. Sign up for it, it's free. It may give you a few things to think about. It's a uh, it's an online course in the form of videos. There's seven videos ranging from four to ten minutes. Um, you know, it's it's basically me ranting about all this, but I go into much more depth and I give you a lot more perspective of what is possible when you put your story online and leverage it to attract more business investors. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back very soon.